You're listening to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now with your host, Jackie Koch, the podcast with all the tips and tools to help you succeed when all of a sudden you have the realization that you're the one in charge. Hi, welcome back to Oh Shit, I'm the Boss Now. I'm your host, Jackie Koch, and today we're talking more about remote work. I feel like it's come up in so many podcasts, but I do think it's really here to stay. And the more you can learn about how to do it well, the better off your business is going to be. I think not even I think I know firsthand the companies that struggle with it are those that think they can just move to remote work without any intention and that it'll figure itself out, right? There's still clients that I support that have like they've been working remote now for three years because of COVID and they're like, okay, we're just going to keep it. But they've never really done any intentional design and org design around how it's going to work. And I see them still struggling sometimes with getting work done, with helping the team feel like they're connected, like there's some struggles. And it's because they haven't actually sat down and designed how they want to do it. They just decided to transition to it and have kept it that way. And the reason why I talk about this so much on the show is because remote work, flexible work schedules are not going away. And I want you to be a business that does it well, or at least intentional, because if you're intentional about it, you're doing it a little bit better than others. And if you're a small business, you get to test and try things way easier than larger companies and more and even like companies that have been around forever struggle with transitioning to remote. So if you're a small team, you can do this a little bit more effectively. It just takes some intentional design and intention. When it comes to leading a remote first team, trust and connection are definitely important things that are also a little bit more challenging, right? It's easier to establish trust and connection when you're sitting next to your coworker. They're humanized. They're next to you. If something challenging is coming up for you in working with them, you're reminded that they're a human because they're sitting right next to you. You can see if they're stressed out. You can see if things are going on. But you don't have that when you're in remote work. So it's easy to make up stories. It's easy to not feel as connected to them. And so it's definitely something that takes some intention and some different approaches too, because it's just not natural. And it's not just the byproduct of working in an office together, right? So some of the most common struggles that I see that kind of contribute, like reasons for this or challenges that contribute to remote work and communication being a struggle and all of that is, of course, there's like communication barriers. Communication is a lot more digital when you're all remote, which leads to a lot, can lead to a lot more misunderstandings. It lacks the face-to-face nuances. There's internet issues, right? You might be on a call and like there's a delay and it's like hard to work through or there's some sort of technical difficulty. And you're also just missing that I talked about this a few episodes back, but there's this book I read that talks about how 
meetings are different because you don't have so many of the social cues to know when to have a comment, when to voice your opinion. Like there's a lot of the normal human interactional cues that are missing in remote work that can be challenging. It's also really hard to build trust because like I said, you don't have that physical proximity. You don't have that face-to-face. Time zones make it challenging. When for things that need to be in real time, it can just be hard to do that. And then if you have a team that's global, there can be cultural differences as well. I would imagine that most of you listening to the show are moving into remote work just within the United States. So you may not have quite as much of that, but it definitely can be a struggle if you do have a global team that's working remotely. And then the other challenge is ensuring accountability, making sure that there is a way to track progress, making sure that team members are accountable to one another to get stuff done can be harder when you can't actually like see what people are doing. And it can lead to micromanagement. You've created stories about your team, all of that stuff. And then the last thing that I see is organization becomes so critical because where does your team go when they have questions? If you're in close proximity, you can be like, hey, where do we store this? But where does your team go to find the information that they need, right? So electronic storage and accessibility becomes an issue. And by not having that, it can contribute to a lack of trust because people are like, oh, I don't have access to that. I wonder why I don't have access to that. Or, oh, they didn't give me access because they don't think X, Y, Z. People can make up stories, right? Those are some of the common struggles I see as it relates to building trust and communication. There's other struggles that come up, but this podcast episode is mostly about how to develop trust and great communication and connection with your remote teams. So even though there's a lot of challenges, I do think remote work actually has quite a few benefits that can help contribute to these things positively. It creates an environment where it's more likely to have equal participation. So unlike in in-person meetings where somebody who's louder can hijack a conversation or dominate a conversation, remote platforms can level the playing field a bit if done correct, right? It can give those who maybe are a little bit more quiet in group settings or what have you, the ability to share their opinions in a more equal way. So this then can create an environment where there is more participation from all team members if done well. Of course, we've talked about this a million times and there's no shortage of people talking about it online that it increases flexibility and work-life balance. Remote work typically provides a greater degree of flexibility because you don't have to, you don't have to commute. Like there's just a lot of, obviously a lot of reasons and all those reasons. And so it allows team members to, to work or it can allow team members, if you let it, allow them to work during their most productive times and maintain a healthy, a healthier workflow, work state, which can lead to better job satisfaction which when people are happier at work, it makes them better team players. It makes them more engaged, right? All of those things contribute to that. It can increase diversity. Remote work really can allow for a more diverse team. Especially if you're hiring people globally, you're going to see the benefits of that when you have people who are supporting your business in 
different countries. And it can, and of course, you know that diversity helps with perspectives, ideas, all of those things. It can foster innovation. It allows your hiring pool to be bigger, right? If you're only hiring in one local area, the amount of people who have the skills that you need are lower. And when you are hiring remotely, it greatly expands that recruiting pool, which also allows you then to recruit people into your business who are different and will provide that diverse thought. I want to highlight a company that is pretty well known for their remote work policies. So some of you listening to the show may already know all about them. Others might not. If you're in the tech scene, you probably have heard of GitLab. If you're not, then you may not have heard of them. And they are a company who's long been considered a pioneer for creating fully distributed work environments. What that means is fully remote work environments. They have developed, they actually have quite an extensive set of, they've documented how they've created this remote work culture. And it's definitely been one that people have been following for a very long time. And so some of these practices and policies are really meant to foster collaboration, transparency, and productivity among all of their teams. And so I wanted just to summarize what GitLab's remote work culture kind of is, because I think there's a lot of things that you could then implement and think about into your business. And if you haven't heard of them, I highly recommend you go read some of their documentation. Sometimes I forget so many people that I work with day to day are in the tech scene and startup scene. So they've heard of GitLab. And then I'm like, wait, there's a lot of people who listen to the show who maybe don't even know this company exists. So there you go. I'm letting you into a little bit of an insider scoop into the world of startups and tech companies. But essentially, here's a summary of their remote work culture. The first thing is that they have a remote first approach. So they operate with a remote first philosophy meaning that their remote work is their default mode of operation for all employees. This means that everybody, regardless of their job, has opportunity to access all of the same things and has the ability to work remote. They don't have, a lot of times I've seen these teams can work remote, but these teams can't. Like they have a fully remote first approach. So you know that they have a remote work culture. They don't have any offices. They have a global team located anywhere in the world. Team members can work from anywhere, allowing the company to tap into a diverse talent pool that we just talked about and accommodate individual work preferences. The way they do that is they have great asynchronous communication set up. They use it so that they can accommodate all of those different time zones, right? Like some people are a day apart if you're working with teams globally and different work schedules. So instead of heavily relying on real-time meetings, they encourage the use of written communication. They use GitLab, which is a basically a, an open source engineering coding. But they also use Slack, email, they use shared documents, they use project management tools. This allows employees to work at their own pace and minimize disruptions with meetings. So as you think about that, where can you implement more of those tools? It takes effort to change what is habits. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, 
if your default is like, oh, I just want to talk about this. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't talk about things live, but finding a way to have the majority of your team's work done asynchronously, whether it's writing in documents, filming mini loom videos, there are a lot of things you can do. It just takes some effort and it takes a commitment from your whole team to try different work styles. But they have a rigorous, asynchronous communication set up for their business in order to do it well. And they've been doing this for years. I should have looked up when they were founded, but I'm going to guess that over 10 years they've been doing this. They have transparent and open collaboration. So they value transparency in decision-making and information sharing. So important discussions, proposals, and decisions take place in open channels, accessible by everybody at any time. And so what this means then is the team knows if they have a, if they want to know what's going on with this, they can tune in. They can make a comment, but doesn't mean that they push all of this down the throat, but it means that they can opt in. Team members who want to be in the know can opt in to being in the know. This promotes inclusivity, encourages participation, and ensures that info is available to anybody who needs it. They have a documentation-driven workflow. They emphasize the importance of thorough documentation. Work processes, projects, and decisions are well-documented, enabling team members to access information and contribute asynchronously. This document-centric approach Obviously, it promotes accountability, knowledge sharing, and the ability to onboard new team members effectively. So like you can have a million docs created, but if you have no central place where the team knows where to find them, you're going to find yourself frustrated. You're probably creating a bunch of stuff and you're like, why are people not using them? Because you never took the time to organize it. So organize it well and find a central place that everybody will go to access the information. There's so many content management tools or knowledge sharing platforms. There's Notion, there's Confluence, there's a bunch of different places where you can set up like your own mini internet. If you've ever heard, if you remember the days of those, that's what you need. You need a one place where everybody goes to get the information that they need. GitLab is also a results-oriented company. So they focus on outcomes over strict working hours or physical presence. Employees are empowered to manage their time and focus on delivering results. And performance is evaluated based on the impact and quality of work, not the hours spent at their desk. And then they do have virtual social interactions. So they know that there's a need for social connection and that this cultivates a sense of community within the remote workforce. So they organize virtual social events, coffee chats, online team building activities to foster personal connections that aren't just work-related and also strengthen relationships. Could you create challenges that your team does together and you do check-ins? I don't know. I'm just making some stuff up. And then they're also committed to knowing that they haven't figured it out and continuous learning. So they are continuing to improve the remote work practices every single year, and it's a team effort. So they actively seek feedback from employees and implement changes based on suggestions So this allows the company to adapt and refine its work culture over time. So to do remote work, you've got to be willing to iterate and try new things. Like I said, it's often regarded as one of the leading examples in the industry. And it shows that a fully distributed remote workforce can be successful 
it just takes some intention. And I think in adopting some of these strategies that they do into your business, into what works for you, can be a huge, huge, huge benefit. So that is GitLab. That's an example. And honestly, some of the action steps and the things that you can do are found in a lot of those things. But long-term strategies are you want to establish some communication norms to ensure everybody is on the same page. So like set up guidelines. When do we use Slack? How do we make decisions? How do we share ideas? When should we have meetings? Like create rules around this with your team and create communication norms and share it with each other so that the team knows. And the more they're bought in, the more that they help create it, the more they're going to be bought in. Guidelines can include response times. Like, when do we need to get back to each other? Preferred ways to communicate, which channels to use, what different tools and the different purposes that they're used for. So define those and then hold each other accountable to them. Another long-term strategy is obviously to create opportunities for social interaction, create some regular team building activities that can be social chats dedicated to different topics to foster a sense of community. It can be coffee chats. It can be in-person, get-together, quarterly meetings so you can actually get to know each other. And it could just be fun little games and activities. There's so many things out there now. If you Google remote team building, you're going to find them. Long-term, focus on results, not hours. Transition from time-based approaches to results-oriented approach. Set OKRs. Set, and if you don't know what that means, it's like bigger company goals, and then cascade them down to each team. So they all have goals that they're working towards. Set metrics, like really start to transition to results-oriented approach because this will promote trust, autonomy, and it empowers your team to manage their time effectively. You all want to hire people who are self-starters. Let them manage their time, right? Set them up to do that. And then, of course, long-term focus on continuous improvement, right? Like, say, hey, we're going to test this for six months. We're going to all revisit it, see how we should change it and just put that into the regular cadence. And then immediate tactical steps that you can start doing today to help create a great remote work culture is set up regular check-ins with your team. We've talked about this a million times on the episode, so just do it already. Use the right tools. Use project management tools. Force yourself to learn them and get used to them and do it. Use communication tools like Slack and other things. Make sure you have collaborative processes and workflows set up and make sure everybody knows how to use them effectively, right? Use them. And if you're someone who's like, oh, I just don't want to, you got to go first as a leader. You got to change your habits as a leader before anybody else is going to do it. Regularly acknowledge and appreciate your team, right? Do that. Set up reminders on your phone to to tell someone they're doing a great job. If you forget, I'm guilty. I don't regularly give give positive feedback. It's not that I don't think people are doing a good job. It just doesn't come natural to me. So I set reminders like, hey, tell someone they're doing a good job today. I know that sounds lame, but it gets me to do it. And then set up transparent work processes. Make sure everybody understands their responsibilities the team goals and how their work fits into the bigger goal and where they can find the information they need to do a good job. Find a central information housing platform and assign owners to keep things up to date. Those are all things that you can start to do right away. And I'll leave you with just a reminder to to try it. 
and say, hey, team, we're going to try something new and I really want your honest feedback and I want you to help make this better. We're going to try it for 90 days. We'll do a check-in and see how we should modify. I also want feedback on how I'm doing. How can I better support you and ask for the feedback? Like, Just allow yourself the opportunity to intentionally design the stuff, learn and iterate and try new things. In a remote world, it's an ongoing journey of learning and adapting, but stay patient, be open-minded, focus on the fact that if you don't do it now, you're going to be left behind in five years. You got to get good at it because this is the future of work for most jobs. So hopefully you got some tips. Go check out GitLab and thanks for tuning in. Speaking of the power of people, I'd be honored to read your written review of this show. If you enjoyed what you heard and have suggestions on how to make this show more impactful, please show your support by taking a few minutes to let me know what you think. See you next time.